You're listening to A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And we like to have authors come on the podcast. We especially like to have local authors come on the podcast. Today we have musician Tony Muggs, but also now you can hyphenate musician slash author Tony Muggs because Tony just released, well, six months ago or so, released his autobiography, which is titled Autobiographiti. So we will have information in the show notes uh, about where you can find out more about that book, but it is the story of most of Tony's life. Now, Tony grew up on the east side of Detroit, uh, loved music basically his entire life. And uh, when he was 18, you know, with his best friend, his literally lifelong, now lifelong best friend, Danny Methrick, they form a band and Danny starts playing guitar and Tony starts playing bass. And then it eventually grows into a three-piece that is known as the Mugs. And the Mugs are right there in the mix of things at basically the turn of the millennium in the Detroit garage rock music scene, right alongside a lot of luminaries of that moment, like the Paybacks or the Dirt Bombs or the Detroit Cobras or the White Stripes. The Mugs were right there until one night, unfortunately, tragically, Tony suffered a hemorrhagic stroke, which left him completely paralyzed on his right side and, for a time, unable to speak. And and though this is what's so interesting about the story, he wasn't informed of this at the time, but the prognosis was that he was not expected to survive. He spent two months in various hospitals due to complications with his condition, and he eventually landed at the Rehab Institute of Michigan in downtown Detroit. His recovery was speculative at best, and Tony says that basically the worst thing about his infirmary was that he could never play music again, or so he thought. And that's a lot about what this book becomes winds up about, really, is thinking it might be the end, thinking your life as you know it might be over, but it isn't. It ain't over till it's over, per se. So this is a story for stroke survivors. It is a story of hope and inspiration, and it's also a story of friendship and family and support and community and if i didn't say it already i'll say it twice if i have to a love of music if you get anything from tony muggs said he loves music it is basically his his reason to live and it really did pull him out of that tragedy which we're gonna talk about today and we're gonna find out about the mugs. We're gonna find out more about that band. We're gonna find out more about Danny as we talk about things. We're gonna find out about Tony's uh, more recent project, Dude, which is a project for his songwriting. And we're gonna find about uh, find out about so much more. So we have a musician slash author. It is Tony Muggs on the podcast here talking about his latest book. It's called Autobiography. Here's our chat. launch into this podcast it's a podcast we call a little too quiet it's the ferndale library podcast and it's brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library my name is jeff milo and i'm joined on the line by tony muggs who is a musician but now an author welcome to the podcast tony hello 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 it's wonderful to be here wow so you've been there's so much to get to You've been a musician for years and years and years and years and years, but can you take us to the point somewhere around uh, 2016, is it, where you say, I am going to start writing a book. Tell us about the biggest inspiration for writing Autobiography. Well, I, I thought it was, a, uh, it was a story that I needed to tell 
for myself uh, for cathartic reasons, but also to let other stroke survivors and other people that are in doubt of their abilities that they can do it. We, we talked about this before. I know it sounds cliche, but all the simple truths in life are right there in front of us. Um, I, so I wanted to write this book to give people a sense of hope in this uh, in this climate of in hyperinflation and you know climate change. And so, as as, as cheesy as it sounds, I, I wanted to do this. One of the reasons was to give some people some hope. Yeah, but a, a, a big portion, and I just felt compelled to start here, a big portion of the book that is equally inspirational is that I think it winds up slightly transcending just that story for stroke survivors, but also anyone who might just want to write their story can find inspiration by picking up the book and reading the book because in, in a few ways, a big part of the book is you writing the book it's kind of meta in this way can you can you talk about that <laughs> yeah it was an interesting way I've, I've never written a book before but uh i fancy myself uh myself as a smart kid and um so one of the, my approaches when i was just trying to write you know i'm just you know mining for ore if you will i would i would treat myself um in hamtramck at cafe 1923 or um bumbos or painted lady or uh, Outer Limits Lounge or uh, any one of those places, home as well, Catch a Cafe. And I, I would just write for, I would write on my iPhone for uh, three to four hours. And then uh, I would treat myself to the bar afterwards. And I, I just thought that was a, I, I needed, I need to be around people most of the time. Uh, that's just my process. I need to be in a room of chatter um, and just hit, action uh, all around me and I'm in my own little world and um, I, I just thought that was would be a good way to start so um, so I started documenting um, the places I were at and um, and I was uh, and I gave you a you know every every time I sat down to write in the book I documented and I, I give you a sense of how I was feeling that day. Some, some days were rough. You know, some days I didn't feel like writing. I wasn't inspired at all. But I, I know this is a process and you have to push through those. Um, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, life isn't fair. Don't I know it? Right. But sometimes you have to, like, you know, push through those walls. Um, and there's always something redeeming on the other side of that wall, you know? Yeah. So, can you talk about talk a little bit about what it was like finding your voice as a writer your sort of your 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 rhythm your kind of your cadence your writing voice that because that's that's it's kind of its own thing unto itself yeah well that took me about six months down the line in the process of just writing week in and week out i, I was a bit naive when uh I, when i started this project i was like oh i'll, I'll finish this in a year you know, and, you know, done, it, it's done and in a year. Boy, was I wrong. Um, that's, that's, that's how long it usually takes to make albums. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, but, uh, you know, uh, I, it, if nothing else, I don't lack confidence in <laughs> uh, naivete uh, as well. Um, and so uh, it took me about six months to get my voice and, you know, just to kind of develop the way I wanted to write it in a way that was candid enough um, so, I, for instance, I, I love in movies, I love, um, the concept of breaking the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. 
in um, in in this book. I, I, I um, it's called the Authorial Intrusion. It, it's basically breaking the fourth wall in a book instead of a movie. Mm-hmm. And I had to look it up because I I, I knew it was probably a thing, but. Um, so I actually looked it up if it was a thing and it turns out there's a definition it's called the authorial intrusion and I like doing that. Um, so it, it's, it's very personal in the sense that when I'm talking and I use italics to, you know, indicate that uh, a lot of the times, um, I'm either talking to myself or talking to you, uh, the reader directly. And it, it, it I, I think it's a, a unique way, but I wasn't trying to be unique in the sense of like, uh, you know, I'm sure p- other authors have done this, but it was just a way of connecting um, with people and with, you know, I was 4K, you know, I always project myself into the future and get excited about who actually is going to be reading this. Um, and it always, you know, makes me happy and puts a smile on my face when I can, you know, I can talk to you directly and, um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's one of my processes that really inspired me and, and, you know, and I found my voice through that, you know, it's also kind of just this familiar voice that sort of familiar, like I could be sitting right next to you at the bar and you're telling me a story, kind of a, kind of a vibe. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I actually, if you read the prologue, I, uh, you know, I, explain to the reader how I'd like them to read the book. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, and I actually, uh, described that, you know, you know, I say, you know, picture, imagine if you will, that you walk into a bar and, you know, any dive bar will do. Um, and, uh, you sit down next to me and we strike up a conversation over some shots and beers and, um, uh, we get to know each other, you know, and I say, uh, dialogue with a new friend. Mm-hmm. That's how I want you to read it. Um, to see me you know i don't i don't think i'm you know let's let's face it uh everyone i i feel that everyone has a story uh um to tell and so i'm just one more guy with one more uh, story that I, I thought was interesting enough uh to put down in a book and you know i am tenacious when i i always if if i say i'm going to do something and i i said to a lot of people hey I'm, I'm going to write a book and maybe some people, um, that don't know me, they're like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, he's full of BS. But if I say I'm going to do something, I usually, you know, commend myself to doing it. And, uh, because I, you know, I want to be a man of my word. So, um, I, 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 you know, it took me six years in, in the making mostly because of, you know, COVID kind of, um, what am I trying to say? COVID, uh, you know, held the world up for a couple of years. Right. And oh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying, yeah, that's right. It must have been because obviously you're not going to be able to get into your your routine. You can't really go to a coffee shop when it's quarantined. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So thankfully, um, when I, you know, when I started writing, I basically um, wrote the whole book um, before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, I, I thought it would be a great idea uh, to spend seven months on a glossary. <laughs> and I, I thought that the glossary would be fun. And so far as there's a lot of, you know, insider Detroit material that I'm throwing at you, a lot of bands that are just lost in the annals of Detroit history, um, rock and roll history. 
that'll never never see the light of day, never get their due. And I, I felt, you know, compelled to, you know, to not only tell my story, but at least mention the bands that inspired me when I was coming up. Because I, I do describe, um, you know, this is, first of all, you know, the book Autobiography, um, if you're interested in, 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 it, in it, um, there's a website, uh, TonyMuggs.com, um, two G's T O N Y M U G G S.com. And, um, you can, you can hear a lot about my story about me and about my bands, but, um, this is a story about me and uh, my, my best friend, Danny Muggs coming up on the Detroit music scene and all the bands that inspired us. Um, so getting back to the glossary, you know, I'm throwing, you know, the Wax Wings, Audra Kubat, you know, Blair, um, you know, Blair, uh, he was a, a singer-songwriter, rest in peace. He died in um, in the early aughts. Um, but, you know, uh, down the line, rock and roll, country, um, you know, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of fusion, funk, the blues, obviously. Um, there are so many bands, local bands that inspired me that I felt, you know, a need to at least define them and, um, and give them their, you know, proper, uh, proper dues. So in, in the, on the other side, you know, I, I like, you know, jerking the reader around, uh, you know, I'm a funny guy, right? I'm a, a comedian and a musician, uh, in my own, in my own twisted mind. And so, you know, I have fun, um, defining a certain word. So, uh, for instance, in in the prologue that I mentioned earlier, um, I say that any words that are any words or phrases that are italicized, I encourage you to look them up in the back of the book. Um, I built a glossary, and so I had fun. Sometimes, you know, the definition was just the definition, you know, the Renaissance Center or Detroit, but um, or the Beatles. But I, you know, I try to make it interesting insofar as. You know, if I'm going to describe the Beatles, well, you know, chances are everyone knows the Beatles. So, so I try to do a deep cut fun fact that you may not know about the Beatles. And um, and other uh, other definitions, like I, I define Satan. Um, and uh, that was fun because, uh, you know, I, I could just opine and, you know, be a wisecrack and jerk. Um you know, the United States of America, um, the same thing, you know, I, it gave, gave me an opportunity to opine a lot in, uh, I'm pretty middle of the road. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. So I don't think I, um, uh, I offended anyone or maybe I offended everyone <laughs> equally, but, uh, you know, it's all in, it's all in good humor. And I'm, I'm trying to bring this you know, if you read my book and you read the, the glossary, I'm, I'm trying to unite this country. I'm sick of all the bickering and um, all the all the, the confirmation bias bubbles we're in. And, uh, you know, dialogue is, uh, you know, key to uh, and dialogue and understanding and empathy are the keys to uh, unlocking this crazy um, polarized political and, and, you know, um, just cultural, um, you know, landscape that we're in right now. Tell us about what it was like, uh, emotionally, I suppose, to write about the, the night, the hour, as you call it, when, when you did suffer your stroke and returning to that and putting it on a page, what was that like for this book? 
Ooh, that was tough. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, I did start off with it. Um, and uh, I did start off with writing about that because that that is still one of my most powerful memories. And I can get really close to that. Um, and sometimes it's like, da- like not dangerous, but mm-hmm. I don't like getting close to it because it's ugly. Yeah. It's, um, and it was a, it was hard for me, but it was necessary to walk myself through it. Um, and you know, um, <laughs> uh, what can I say? I almost died. Um, um, I didn't know it at the time, but, and thank God I didn't because may- maybe I would have lost the world to fight, but, um, my family thought it was a goner and, but they didn't tell me and I pulled through and, uh, and you know, it just, it, it, it's just seemed, um, at the time I was going through my own soap opera. Everything seemed so heavy and foreboding and, um, and it was just one, um, you know, I, I'd get, I started getting better and then I'd have, uh, blood clots and, um, and I got one in my lung and I had to have emergency surgery cause those can be fatal but I couldn't be anticoagulated, which means I couldn't have blood thinners because I had an aneurysm uh, in my brain. So there are all these, you know, you know, I just kept on getting knocked down. Um, and then I, you know, I had blood clots in my legs and it was just, it was, I was put through the ringer. So, um, it was hard to face that again and, you know, um, to, to look at myself and okay, I can walk around that. Um, I couldn't walk. Uh, I was completely paralyzed and I couldn't talk. Well, I can talk again. Um, but there are certain things that I still haven't achieved, like uh, mobility in my right hand. That's why I play the bass on a Fender Rose piano because I lost the ability to play the bass guitar, you know, cause that requires two hands. So there, it was tough, but on the flip side of that, um, it was such a joy, um, to remember, the hilarious stories, uh, you know, with my mom and, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for that, that, you know, just walking myself through those memories brought me close to my mom again, who I lost in 2015. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I'm very grateful for that. And your stepdad too is a, is a key character too. Oh yeah. yeah Gary, um, he's the salt of the earth. Um, he still lives in St. Clair Shores, in you know mom and gary's house um and uh i talked to him um you know often and he uh you know i i can never repay a certain amount of people like danny muggs and my stepdad gary uh you know who doubles as my dad you know i um and my brother frank and my mom and gary you know, after I got out of the woods, uh, in a manner of speaking, I was getting better and I had two things in front of me. I had rehab and I dedicated myself to that 110% in music and same 110%. Um, and, uh, you know, after a couple of years, they, they could, if they were, you know, um, and I don't even know if this is fair or not to say, but you know, they could have said if they were different people, they could have said, all right, Tony, well, you know, um, rent, you know, you can't live here for free anymore. You gotta, you know, get a job and you gotta contribute. But they, they saw my passion for music and, um, my passion to get better. 
and they just let me figure my life out. And, you know, I got my ass kicked, um, and I almost lost my life. And they weren't pressuring me, um, it with, you know, a time limit. Okay. It's two years after two years, you got, you know, they just let me figure it out. And I'll always thank them from the bottom of my heart because that, that's true love, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's also an, an, a note for the reader. If you're a reader who has not suffered a stroke, but you know, God forbid someone in your circle does, it's this reminder, this grace note to, to be tender with them and support them. It's huge. Talk about the music a little bit more, though. I mean, it is hard to get that down. It is hard to get those experiences and those memories, especially that one memory down, because it was so tragic and so traumatizing. And reliving that, I'm sure, was not fun. It is worthwhile, though, in the end, because this book is all about the hope. But it must have been fun also just to read about music. <laughs> oh, it, it was so... Man, uh... You know, I always say I live a uh, I've lived a fairy tale of a life. And when uh, Dan, Danny Danny Muggs and I uh, started playing music, we were uh, we were about eighteen years old, and we were about twenty years old when we started taking it serious. And we wanted to uh, get into a, a you know band together, and we were always a team, which was so helpful. And I I you know I take that for granted now that uh, we, we were always a team and it was exciting. It was exciting to have a bandmate who inspired me. Um, he, he, Danny was such a prolific, like he's he, I, arguably, he's one of the top 50 guitar players in Detroit of all time. Oh, yeah. um, and don't even get me started on his songwriting. Uh, six albums of nothing but, you know, wonderful blues rock material. And he's a wonderful songwriter. And, um, you know, just, when we started at, um, at 20 years old and we were in bands, there's this, this sense that we were destined to do something great. And, uh, and I think that, that we believed it, you know, there was, there was nothing that's, you know, indicated that, um, we just believed it so much. And Danny, believe it or not, he was soloing within six months. Um, and you know, he pers persuaded me to, go to the bass guitar which changed the course of my life literally um i don't i don't think my, my career as a musician would be anywhere uh post stroke with without me changing to um bass guitar and then just what happened that you know i'm um uh, paralyzed on my right side but um the bass cloth on a piano is on the left so everything just worked out like as if it were scripted um and uh, so just coming up, uh, always in being in two bands, we always had an original rock band and we always had a blues band. And we always played together and we always bounced ideas off each other and it was very inspiring. And, you know, around 1999, um, we, uh, we were, I was, we were in uh, this band called Fat Billy Brown, original rock band, and it just wasn't going where we expected it to go. And so Danny had this uh, idea of him lead singing, because at the time I was a lead singer, and he wanted to do a, a th something more, you know, more in the vein of the blues and rock. 
so you know low hanging for like your Led Zeppelin, your Jimi Hendrix, but all original. Um, so uh, it was just you know the natural progression. We were getting really good at on our instruments, and uh, at that time I was just understanding all the nuances of like a player like John Paul Jones or um, um, or Greg Ridley from Humble Pie or James Jamerson from Motown. Um, and, you know, I was just, we, we, we were just climbing that rung on the maturing. And, um, you know, by the time, time we were like 26, 27, we formed the mugs and, uh, and then about a year and a half later, I had a stroke, <laughs> screwed it all up. <laughs> and that's, that's the worst part. There was all this momentum and all this energy. Oh man, yeah. Jeff, there was so much momentum. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah. also, this is like for, for Detroit music nerds, it's like you're at the peak of Detroit garage rock scene. It's like, that's like peak white stripes era. Oh, yeah. too. So oh, it was heartbreaking. And the most heartbreaking thing about it is when the dust had settled, I, I bounced around a couple of hospitals, but when I got stabilized, I was at uh, RIM, uh, which stands for Rehabil- rehabilitation Institute of Michigan. And it's only like two blocks away from the magic stick and a garden bowl. And it was just like, fate was just like, no, it was just like torturing me. I was so close to, you know, I was just hanging out there a couple of weeks ago and now I'm fighting for my life. (laughs) Life is not fair, is it? (laughs) You know, stroke is a scary word just by itself. Whenever anyone hears any kind of story, they they get you know it's it's very it's a very disquieting experience like oh man oh that just sounds horrible and all, like it is it it it's like it's it's as though this it's like as though having a stroke is like this vacuum of hope that is like the moment where I would worry that a lot of people would say oh well my life as I know it is over uh, and that's like a very that's a very down, hopeless sentiment. Yeah, I don't. I try not to hate anything, but yeah, I hate the word stroke. And yeah, when 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 I hear you know somebody say, "Oh, he had a stroke," I uh, you know it's I know it's like well, I, I go into my analytical mode and I'm like, okay, was it a ischemic stroke mm-hmm. or was it uh, an aneurysm? Right. And every stroke is different, but every stroke is a disaster and you're talking about even best case scenario months of rehabilitation um and it just screws your whole life up you get you know you're gonna now you're in the system of applying for um you know medicaid and medicare and disability and you know and you're just in line you're a number and there's so much red tape um, I, I speak about that in my book, um, you know, about Medicaid and, um, and I know it's an impossible system and I don't have the answers. I'm a musician. I can just, I can just write songs about this and complain about it. Um, but you know, we hire politicians to figure it out. And, um, <laughs> unfortunately they're not interested in helping uh, us out in these days, but that's altogether another, t- uh, another another topic of conversation the thing about holding this book in your hand is that it's you know it can be so easy to lose hope or to become hopeless and this book is i well we're going to get into this in the next question but like this book is the the author saying i've 
I've made it to this other side. Like I, I have, you know, we, we can kind of spoil this ending and say that, you know, you go on to get back with the mugs. You go on to start dude, which is another project you go on to continue playing music. So there is this sort of happy ending calling back toward that hopeless period and it's giving the reader hope. But then we can also kind of talk about how this is kind of, this book is part one in and, in and of itself. It kind of like takes us up to 2003. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, um, we have a mutual friend, Josh Mallerman, and uh, we, I think we've talked about this before. You know, Josh took some cursory interest in uh, my book when I was when I was talking about writing it, and he would just uh, you know chime in every once in a while. Hey, how's it going? How's the book? And, you know, we could talk. And and the reason I chopped it into two books was I asked Josh, "Well, I've never written a book before. How 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 long should a book be?" And he thought. You know, his um, his explanation was well, normally between sixty and eighty thousand words. Right. And I was looking at my word count on my uh, computer, and it was at ninety five thousand words. And I said, Josh, I'm not even halfway done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, you know, for uh, I'll use this analogy. So, for any Star Wars fan, um, the original, like you know, uh, you know, seventy seven, eighty, and eighty three, you know, the original Star Wars saga. Um, autobiography is kind of like a new hope and empire strikes back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, all the drama, I'm getting my ass kicked. Um, but you know, the second book, um, I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. It's going to be a celebration of, um, I'm going to start the book off, you know, so I end this book in 2003, uh, when I go to California to do some alternative therapy, the hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy. Um, and so I figured that that was a wonderful way to end it because during that period of six months period of my life, I, uh, I borrowed a keyboard from my aunt Marie and I started transcribing and basically teaching myself how to play the keyboard as a bass guitar. And, uh, of course I asked Danny for his, you know, not permission, but I, I just wanted his blessing. I, um, you know, this, I don't know if this has been done before or not. And, you know, I'm, I'm just saying I love music so much. I'm willing to learn a whole new instrument to get back with the mugs, but the mugs, this is some serious songwriting. And, you know, I always say you can't bullshit a three piece. So, I, you know, I had to do my homework and it was all, you know, every day for three to four hours a day for like four or five months to get just a cursory knowledge of my new instrument. So I figured that would be a great way to start um, the second book. Me, you know, <laughs> you know, becoming in the Jedi, <laughs> you know, and then all of the, uh, all the hilarious stories, uh, when, you know, the, from there, the mugs really took off. And in uh, the first book, um, I, I talk about um, the mugs being on national television. The next great American band was a TV show. I was an American Idol spinoff uh, in 2007. And so, so I, I touch on that in the first book, um, but then I leave you at a cliffhanger. So I'm going to, I'm going to revisit that. And then, you know, talk about the mugs touring in, in Europe and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, like a celebration, high fives, hilarious stories from the road. And then um, I'm going to bookend it um, with uh, some uh, thoughts. Um, I'm actually, 
going to end the book, the second book, writing up to Bumble is where I start the first book, you know, and that's where, um, you know, reading the prologue in the first book, I, I talk about how I was at, uh, going to Bumble's for my birthday in uh, 2016. I'm a December baby. So um, almost 2017. And I ran into a good buddy of mine. Uh, you might know him, uh, Jamie Mosshart. Yeah. Um, so that tall drink of water, um, he was working at a uh, third man records at the time. And I was, you know, just saying, Oh, how cool would it be to have dude be signed to third man? And, you know, and we just stumble into this conversation about writing books. And I said, yeah, I'm trying to write a book. And he's like, what? And, um, his ears perked up and he said, you know, um, they publish books. So that to me is you're in that, you know, if you're, you're serious about, um, doing this. Um, so that was the impetus, you know, third, you know, bringing it back to Detroit, um, third man and, um, Jamie, uh, Moss are just encouraging me to actually write the book. And so, uh, you know, I took it seriously and, uh, and I finally sat myself down and, um, and, and completed it. And, and I told everyone that I was doing it. So I was, I had to do it, you know, <laughs> holding yourself accountable by telling people, Exactly. That, that's one of my methods. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's just my method. Uh, I'm sure it, it doesn't work for everyone, but if, if I'm going to go stick my neck on, um, uh, and say I'm doing something and the more people I t talk about it, you know, now I have to do it. I have to hold myself accountable. So that's just my method, you know? Well, so, uh, I'm going to have links in the show notes for people to find the book, but since this is, uh, premiering, People are hearing this, folks at home. It's July 15th when you're hearing this. I think there's some Mugs news. Don't you guys have a show coming up pretty soon? Yeah, our first show in almost a year. Um, we're going to be playing on Friday, August 4th at Outer Limits Lounge in Hamtramck. Excellent. With, uh, with a really, really cool uh, blues rock band called Sugar Tradition. And um, a really cool rock band. Um, one of my best friends, Michael Bryan, he has a, he, he's the singer songwriter in the band Clearfields mm -hmm. and you know, it's 18 and over too. Um, and it's going to be, uh, I think $12 at the door, it, you know, doors are at eight music should be on by nine and we're anticipating a good crowd because, uh, we haven't played in almost a year. So, uh, I can't wait to get back up on stage with Danny and, uh, and we're doing some deep cuts too. Um, so it's going to be a fun show. Nice. And we'll of course, and then of course, there's Dude, which is uh, a project that's ongoing, and you guys just had some new music out as well. We'll have links to find more about Dude too. And I like, I love, I love Dude. It's uh, you know, the mugs I've always seen is the blues side, but I always see Dude as kind of more your more melodic, kind of uh, you know, big star kind of kind of vibe. You know, I really like that the Beatles kind of side of you. Absolutely, uh, I've uh, I've been writing songs ever since I could put two chords together. There's always something uh, Beatlesque or the Beach Boys or Big Star. Or, um, just you know, I, I just love melody uh, and I love harmony. Yeah. And um, can we? Um, yeah, we should talk about. Um, I just released an, uh, uh, my second Dude album, yes. which is the same title as the book Autobiography. Autobiography, uh, the book, and then the Dude has Autobiography, the album. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can never do anything easy. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons it took uh, six years to complete the project. I had actually finished uh, the album 
it, it was all ready to go besides the artwork in uh, March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. And so I figured that was the universe telling me to put my music down. And of course I wasn't going to release anything during the time of COVID. So that gave me an excuse to, you know, write the glossary in my book and really knuckle down and edit, edit, edit. You know, I must have edited it, you know, 20 times or more. Then I brought other people in to read it and it was a process. So by the time, you know, COVID was clearing up and um, I always, and I always wanted to release the the album and the book together. However, you know, my bandmate Danny Muggs thought it would be cool yeah, to release the book first, and then maybe three or four months down the line release the album. Um, because he read a book called Dear Theo, um, and it was it was a compilation of letters uh, addressed uh, to Vincent Van Gogh was writing all these letters to his brother Theo. And uh, so there's a book called Dear Theo. And uh, long story short, Danny said, after he read that book, um, it it was so insightful in getting inside Vincent Van Gogh, the man, that it just changed his worldview about his paintings too. It made it that much more. So he said, you know, you might want to consider releasing the book um, first so that they can, uh, readers, um, can see your passion for music and um, your passion for life and you've overcome so much and that and that in turn might make the music more potent and so uh, I took a play, page off of uh, Danny's playbook and it was just as scripted I released the book in uh, December 1st of 2022 and I just released um, the, um, the album on uh, April 15th of 2023 so uh, life is good. Heck yeah. Yeah. And there's a little bit about the album at the very end of the book, kind of squeezed in right before the glossary. It talks about, it talks about the album, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to shine a spotlight on yeah. everyone that's helped me. Cause honestly, you know, I can, I can imagine anything these days, but, um, I can't, I, I can't do it on my own. Um, so I rely on so many wonderful players, around town to to get inside my head and uh, breathe life into these songs. And so I wanted to put a spotlight on everyone that helped me out, you know, from uh, Michael Bryan, you know, to Carl Condrad, to Matt Hammond, uh, to Todd Glass, Jared Champion, uh, Stephen Garcia, Charlie Pal- Palazzola, Jimmy Dixon. Um, those were, you know, most of the main players uh, that just made this album outstanding. I'm, I'm just so lucky that they, they want to uh, work with me. And I'm just so very happy and pleased. I'm going to be tracking the third album pretty soon. Um, calling the third album, uh, the third dude album, Destroy It. And uh, it's, it's going to be fun. So I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Um, I'm going to be leaning, leaning on uh, Ty Glass and... Uh, Matt Hammond again, and of course, Stephen Garcia to, uh, you know, just start the process over and love a challenge. And this is, this is going to be another challenge for me. If I take anything away from your book, it's believe in yourself. I know, you know know what I mean? I mean, I know, I know we talk about cheesiness and cliches, but they're there for a reason. Like just keep going like, and yeah, you know, it's life is a journey. Um, and you know, you're, you're meant, you're missing the point if you if you don't recognize that and you know um 
this, this release, you know, the book and the album were, were important and that defined six years of my life. And I'm grateful for that, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to promote it and, you know, hopefully, hopefully I, I can, you know, climb the rung on the national, uh, you know, ladder of recognition for my book or my album. But in the meantime, I'm not waiting around for any, you know, sitting on my hands waiting for somebody to pat me on the back. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm going to write, uh, I've already, already written my third album and my fourth album. I'll be tracking my third album pretty soon. Uh, eventually in the next year or so, year or so, I'm going to start writing again and, um, for my second book. And, you know, uh, that's irons, irons in the fire. And I can't divulge right now, but uh, you know, you never know. Uh, I just I like uh, like I say in the book, you know, I don't have to be the best. I, I just want to be in the conversation. I, I just want to be in the mix of creative, creative people. And I'm one of like uh, literally hundreds of uh, creatives in the city, and, and I'm and I'm just proud to be a contemporary, you know, and so with so much talent around me. Right on. Well, Tony, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I re- really love what you're doing and uh, how you support the community. That's yeah. it's beautiful, man. Yeah. Man, I was going to say, like, all those musicians who have been helping you record that last album, they believe in you. You know, I was saying, like, believe in yourself, but they believe in you. And that's what it comes down to is just, like, the, you, you grow a community that way by just working together. So there's that element to it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess, I guess I don't think after I just smell a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, we'll have more information in the show notes about where you can find and purchase autobiography and find uh, music by Dude as well as music of the Mugs. Uh, you've listened to another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast. And it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, or leave a positive review. It would help us find more listeners. And we'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.